Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of High Energy Health. I am Miriam Paninsky, the Consciousness Programs Director at EFT Universe, and I'm guest hosting this fabulous show for my mentor, really, that's what I can call him, and teacher Dawson Church. I'm extremely honored to be in conversation with the fabulous Chris Franken today in Australia. So we're talking to the future today. It's talking to our future right here today. Welcome, Chris. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. Beautiful introduction. Thank you, Miriam. I'm excited to be here too. Well, me too. So for those of you who don't know Chris yet, but should get to know her really fast today, Chris Franken, based in Byron Bay, Australia, as far as I know, is the former beauty and health editor for Real Living Magazine and the creator of the Light and Love Oracle Cards, the Joyful Abundance Manifesting Cards Beautiful Card Decks, and an inspirational journal called Soulful Journal. She has also a bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology. And today we will talk about her newest book, her fabulous book, Wild Hearted Purpose, Embrace Your Unique Calling and the Unmapped Path of Authenticity. And I'm so thrilled to be talking to you about this. Great, me too. <laughs> So as we get started, I really would like to hear from you. And I think, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to hear from you. Who was this book written for? Because I feel like so much of it, so much of this is such a beautiful poetic channeling. And I, but I still feel like there was such a clear intention connected to the writing process. So I'm really curious, especially in this case, who you felt you were talking to. When the book first started to unravel, it was a direct calling from Mother Nature to really get to know her through inspired journeys and metaphor and all these ideas of what does a cactus mean to people? You know, like a cactus in Feng Shui has so much or in its spirit energy has so much to tell us. Every single plant has so much to tell us and so much energy. And what I was really discovering was that for me personally, that all the answers I needed, I would find on a walk. I would find on a swim at the beach, suddenly something would just come to me. And I would think, well, when I let things go and I immerse myself in nature, something shifts and it's both magical and tangible. And yes, it's very poetic when you start to break it down. But to me, it just felt so real and it was helping me so much. At the time that I wrote it, you know, we had been through 2020 um, globally and I felt we were all just still pivoting. I, I felt so many of my friends were still pivoting, not just in their career path, but their whole life. I mean, that's your sole purpose. And so it's so the book needed for me, it needed to be written 
for people who were going through big change, for people who were lost, for people who were thinking, wow, well, where do I want to live then? If, if everything feels like it's falling apart and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, when the old systems are crumbling and we're looking ahead and we're thinking, well, where do I want to live? Where do I want to live with my family? Well, what do I want to do for work that's meaningful and fulfilling and also still really abundant? And what is it that makes me happy? So the book was written specifically for people who were in that pivotal pivotal point in their lives and it didn't matter if they were really happy at work or really upset at work if they wanted to change you know I think we were all in a state of flux and I really wanted to reach out and say hey mama Gaia has got you she's got us and the book was really a permission slip to just find what's going on in your heart and rewild from there And well, definitely, I'd love to talk more about these pivotal points a bit more in detail also when it comes for the book. But I'm, I got hooked by something you said between the poetic and the reality or the tangible, or maybe like between the metaphor and the real or whatever, and they may not be so separate. And that's what's kind of interesting me also about this book, because you, a lot of what seems the to be the the inspiration, the guidance, the given purpose from, as you said, mama nature, but also specifically from wildflowers. And I was wondering actually exactly about that connection between the real and the poetic, because it seems like you do use it as this really, ins the wildflowers as this really inspiring metaphor, but it becomes something real and tangible. So it's not just that. So I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that seeming friction. Yeah. I love how you just pulled that apart there. That's really cool. When I started to write the first, the very first thing I wrote was a journey through, well, the first journey that you come across in the book is you're on the asphalt path and it's paved for you and everyone is surrounding you. You can't see where you're going. You can't hear yourself and you just want to be free and you just take your shoes off and you step out onto the grass and you run free kind of thing. That's the first journey in the book. And it really is speaking to people who are like, you know, I'm really tired of doing what everyone else is doing. And so there is a metaphor that actually can help people. That's the beauty of metaphor. And that's the beauty of being specific in your storytelling is that people relate. They relate so much better than here is my advice for living wild. Here is my advice. Here are five steps to discovering your soul purpose. Not that there's anything wrong with those books because that really suits some people as well. But I love writing from the from the energy of nature and really pulling people into this realm. And of course, nature is the realest thing we know in life. But when you're in the middle of a book and you're listening to the wildflowers and the waterfalls and the and all the creatures that are in that book, it does seem quite unreal in a sense. And so what happened was with the book, it kind of started to, I, I realized after a while that actually I wanted to start every single chapter with a little journey in nature. And this was, I thought was really going to help the reader because they could go for a little journey in nature. And this could be in the middle of a storm. This could be um, dancing and drumming with community or swimming with dolphins. There's lots of really beautiful elemental journeys through nature that helps people understand, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make, but also what's what's coming through me from Mother Gaia to share. So in a way, it's a channel and it's really supporting the messages that I want to share with people. So then every chapter became a journey, which was 
really quite metaphorical. And then there was the sharing that I wanted to give as a sole purpose mentor. And then there was really grounding it in with journal prompts and rituals and things that you can try. What I didn't realize until after the book was published was that this is quite, you know, unconscious or subconscious, really. It starts off in the subconscious realm, moves into the conscious realm. So it Mm -hmm. gets your mind really buzzing about things. And then you embody it. And that's really deeply unconscious as well. So it's almost like, and that's where my psychology degree comes in because I really love exploring the different levels of the psyche and how it helps us to really understand something. So for me, the intention with all of that was to bring in a dreamlike state because there is so much we can gain from a dreamlike state, whether it's through a book or it's through our own imagination. That's powerful stuff, really. Mm -hmm. So then to inspire people with that and then to share what I've learned as a mentor and then to bring it into the body. That was that was what unfolded for me. I didn't realize how that was going to flow from the beginning and it really worked for me in the end. It's so interesting that you say that this is something that you didn't, it seemed really structured. Like to me, this was such an, okay, that's how she, you know, that's her journey through the book. It's kind of like from, <laughs> it's funny that you said it, it just happened that way because it, it made so much sense. It was so logical, but it, it seemed to come from a, a place that wasn't so logical which I I love it's fabulous that's great (laughs) (laughs) and also I think what you said is really important is that power of dreams of imagination of visualizations as this becomes an embodied form and even have like scientific proof now it actually changes our genes if there's epigenetics it's actually changing our hormone expression it actually changes our dreams you know so the this dismissive sentence it's just but it's just in my imagination it's just not reality anymore it's like we have proof it's not that anymore you know so I just wanted to affirm what you just said about the power maybe many of us don't need that proof and I didn't but there is proof also now you know so so yeah what you said also I wanted to ask about because you also already said you know so there's so many rituals practices journaling exercises in the book and what I found quite interesting structurally and that's maybe the 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 literary scholar in me is that you in the table of content and in the structure of the book you put these, take all the practices from the book and put them in the beginning as kind of like a list, which I found really, really interesting because it almost seemed like these practices while embedded in this in this journey, it's not necessarily such a structured thing. You know, it's kind of like something where, which is also kind of like to be followed by the intuition of saying, oh, this is all the tools I have in front of me. And what is it my, my body, myself, picks and choose now chooses today or chooses now do you want to say a little bit more about that that decision yeah so I uh, was guided to do that by my editor at Llewellyn and she really wanted that in the front of the book and I think the reason was so that if people really connected to certain practices or certain ways of embodying the information that they could go and really quickly find what they needed to and how they wanted to work with the book I think it also really does help as well if you have the book on a really practical sense. If you're reading the book and you have a journal, a blank journal, which is what I suggest that you do so that you can do the practices in a blank journal, mm-hmm. then you can refer to the book so much easier if you're flipping back between the two. But if you if you're not my I've seen I've seen my books. The greatest thing ever is when someone shows me a picture of my book and it's got like a hundred little tags sticking yeah. out of it all the way around. It's like that is an honor. Like what? <laughs> that is amazing. 
thing. I but think, that's so how that you was... feel about the book, really. Like that's the, your, the book kind of like makes you do, like I already have like in the copy that I have, like many kind of like ears in them, you know, where it's like, okay, that's where I need to return to this. And this kind of like does that with you. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that wasn't my decision. And on as well, the the journeys didn't have a heading. They were they were just like, I just wanted people to really slip into this journey without it needing a heading, without it needing a title or an explanation. I just wanted mm-hmm. them to slip into it, almost like they would just slip back into a novel and then come out of it and 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 go, oh, wow, did I go, did a part of me go on a journey while I'm sitting mm-hmm. in bed reading this book or how did that happen? But it was beautiful the way my editors at Llewellyn created more structure for me and I think that actually really helps the readers to know where they're at as little anchor points along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's helpful, but but it also is interesting because it really ties to to I think a lot of the the wild nature basically of of that you that you also introduce kind of in in a way. How if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your your own journey because this is definitely also something that you share in your book and yeah, maybe just generally about your own journey and what led you to this point, what led you to this point of writing this book and bringing this forth. Yeah, great. Thank you. In, um, I think it was in 2020, I had a session with a, an amazing woman who's a psychic and I really wasn't struggling on my path at all. I was really happy being a writer. I hadn't really considered being a coach or a mentor and she saw in me that I can see in people when I connect to people, I can see their soul's blueprint and I can see what gifts and talents and what ideas for them. And and sometimes I'll be speaking to a client and their partner will pop into my head and I have to pass on a message to their partner to connect to a little bit more of this and that. And it's quite mind-blowing what comes through me. So it blew me away that she could see. And I did that with my friends at the time and I thought this is this is, could I do this as a job anyway? I started off as a mentor for people and it was really amazing. It, it used to be quite a tangible process the way I worked with clients. I would give them suggestions for their website, for social media, for the actual creations they wanted to create. I've mentored people writing books and all sorts of physical creations, but also navigating, moving from one job to the next and finances. But now my sessions are just almost like a channeled session of, well, I'm seeing friend Japanese and, <laughs> and then the friend Japanese has a message and then a, a higher spirit or a, a star being will come through and speak to us or an indigenous person from their land or from my land will come through and pass on a message. So when the process started and I was really getting into this mentoring of people and their sole purpose, I started to notice little themes and I thought, aha, uh-huh, isn't that interesting that I'm giving the same advice to three different people who are living very different lives <laughs> and had came to me with very different situations, different problems, mm-hmm. different everything going on. And, and yet still there are these themes coming through. And I thought, mm-hmm. ah, this is something maybe I could write an ebook or a course that people could take and anyone could use it. So that was simmering in the back of my mind. Meanwhile, I was writing my second book on something completely different, but it wasn't working. It really mm-hmm. just fell apart as soon as I tried to put it into a Word document. It just like... <laughs> crumbled and I thought okay no that's not meant to be a book and then I used to live by the beach and I used to go to the beach a lot and I went to the beach one day and I gave the book to some other ocean and I said I don't know what my second book is meant to be but I'm just going to leave it up to you and and I sat and I meditated and I didn't expect an answer that day and Mm -hmm. as I was leaving she said to me you know what to write and I went I do 
and she said, well, your first book, you were so obsessed about intuition and you had to write a book about intuition. What are you obsessed about now? And I said, well, sole purpose, of course. And then the whole book just kind of hit me and I went, oh, and it's going to come from you, isn't it? And we're I felt like I laughed with her. Like sometimes I feel like I live between realms and that I love the feeling of aliveness that I have in Mother Nature. So that's how the book came to be. And then only a few months after I started writing it, after this experience at the beat, that I needed to move into the wild. It didn't feel like it was... I don't know where it came from. I didn't come from the book idea. The book was mm -hmm. wild itself, but I didn't mm -hmm. think I had to live in the wild to be you know, congruent with the themes or to be, you know, fully integrated or authentic. It was just something that I, that we wanted to do. So beginning of last year, we moved into onto 40 acres in the rainforest and it's wow. so wild here. And so I got to edit my book here, which was such a journey and such a joy. And then the book got a little bit more, I think, depth and wilderness to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I also love how you share that it's not like this is kind of like cannot be while, as you said, like it is becoming real and tangible. It cannot be it, it cannot be contextualized in a way you can't kind of like fleeting these kind of explanation or context and the same same way, kind of like you describe your 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 move into the wild. <laughs> as you said which is uh which is which is quite beautiful and something that we actually didn't mention or that I didn't fail to mention in the introduction is is Chris's first book the call of intuition how to recognize and honor your intuition instinct and insight so I just wanted to to mention that as well that that's um, a phenomenal book too for everyone to explore And that's something that I want to also, because we're going to go into the break in a minute or into short break in a minute, but it's going to tie into a longer conversation. I feel, quote you, you're saying the only way to surrender, the, the only way to surrender, what was it? The only way is to surrender to your unruly nature, excuse me. The only way is to surrender to your unruly nature. And you also mentioned to me before the importance of authenticity. And I think that that intertwines. So I wondered if you want to just introduce it in just a few sentences. And I'd like to expand that conversation for after our break. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Unruly nature within us is the, the rebellious one, I believe, the archetype that lives within all of us. And they call to us really gently to pull away from what it is that what we've been taught and to come back to our heart where You know, that's where we learn to be authentic. So, yeah, to be authentic is to be unruly. And it's, it's a beautiful process. It's a bumpy process. But I believe it's vital to living our soul's unique purpose, definitely. Mm. Thank you so much for that beginning. We will go into a short little break and we'll be right back with this fantastic conversation with the amazing Chris Franken in just a couple of minutes. Please stay with us. Thank you. Welcome back to your high energy health podcast of this week. Today, I'm in conversation with the fantastic Chris Franken. And we were just talking, or Chris was just talking about our inner rebellion, basically the archetype of our inner, inner rebellion, bringing us back into our heart. And I feel like you may have wanted to tie it a little bit more, kind of like, maybe we can segue this into what you said about the importance of authenticity. 
and I know this is a big like let's talk about authenticity <laughs> it's kind of like a little bit of a broad entrance but let's talk about authenticity and what yeah. it means in relation to your your um your offering here yeah I really believe soul purpose you know every one of us has come here to learn to be authentic and to learn to be true to ourselves and to learn to live responsibly and in integrity with our heart it's really important that's how we discover ourselves and so this whole idea of authenticity of of sharing your truth and living your truth I think sometimes we only get to the surface level of it and we say you know I want to be fully expressed I want to say what I feel I want to I want to do what I want to do and we get very surface level it's almost like our ego is telling us that we're being authentic but that's not true authenticity true authenticity comes from a really deep and quiet place it comes from those moments where you're tapping into your heart and saying what do I really want to do today like today like how does my body feel today if I was being completely true to myself today what What would I desire to do and who would I desire to be with? And in the future, maybe where would I like to live? What, where is it that is calling to me or what kind of job is calling to me if I'm being really honest with myself? And so this idea of authenticity, which is so deep and it calls us to be ah, so true to the wildest parts of us. And so many of us find it so difficult to do that because we've been taught from an early age, almost all of us in the Western world have been taught from an early age to conform, to listen, to to do good, to do the right thing, to get the right marks, to do what's expected of us. Even sometimes we feel like we're rebelling from what's expected from us, but then sometimes if we don't heal the conditioning or heal the childhood trauma or, or whatever was going on there. Then It's still a response around. to what we repel the most. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes that means we stay in that part of rebellion and it feels very tense for us or we circle back and we just do what we were expected to do all along. So by actually tuning into the heart, that's where the real healing happens. And that's where the real authenticity begins to flow in how we think and how we behave. And we start to see ourselves in this act of living and of service and of purpose and we start to do things that actually feel really good we stop eating the food that actually feels felt awful all along and we start to pull away from people who really aren't genuinely supporting us and loving us and it can be lonely for a little while and we can feel lost for a little while and that's all perfectly normal along the path when we are reorienting ourselves to our true north so that's something that's really vital for us to stay in authenticity and to stay in our in our heart deepest desires so yeah it is all really hand in hand with this idea of rewilding the self that's just coming back to what the heart is trying to say and it can look really wild for some people and for other people it just looks simple and pure and mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we have a hundred house plants and we live in the rainforest it doesn't mean that we're rescuing a whole bunch of animals and cats you know it looks different for everyone so when I say rewilding I mean that's something that only you can know and do for yourself yeah so I'm interested when you, you know, to the point of what you, that you just talked about, how do we separate this kind of like fear-based rebellion or assumptions that are still kind of just part, still kind of like just the flip sides of the same old patterns and the judgments from actually this inner clarity and intuition that, that is aligned with our highest purpose? How do we start to differentiate between those I really believe there's a deeper feeling that you you just 
know. And if you were to become conscious of what you were doing, if you tune into, Mm -hmm. okay, what am I doing as a rebel? What am I doing? Like, if I'm really honest with myself, what is it? Is it drinking five coffees in the morning? Does that feel rebellious for me? Is it working at a job that my parents would hate? Is that it? Is it being single in my 30s and in my 40s? Is that how I'm rebelling? Is it drinking every night? Is it, you know, or it might just be something that's a bit more subtle than that. So when we just bring conscious awareness into what is our rebellion, you know, we can revel in that place of doing what we want and doing it, you know, in spite of this person or this this system or whatever. When we get really lovingly conscious of that, we can see, oh, I see. This isn't serving my highest good at all. You know, what can I do that feels like a beautiful, sweet rebellion that mm-hmm. actually honors who I am and that honors love? So you can tell when there's like anger or a, a, a sort of a more denser emotion involved in the rebellion, that there's shame and guilt and fear, or even if there's like Mm -hmm. listlessness or if there's Mm -hmm. anxiety or depression or whatever is coming along with that rebellion, then you know it's not in sync with love. And so then the act of healing begins with the beautiful moment of conscious awareness of why am I doing this? Now, why am I really doing this? And who could help me with this? Or can I just let it go and come back to love in this moment? Can I let that habit or that reaction or whatever I'm doing there, can I let that go and come back to love? Or is that something I could, is that something I could work with someone? And you, you and I were speaking about EFT earlier and EFT is a really powerful, powerful process for people to literally tap into (laughs) what's Mm -hmm. going on for them on a deeper level and to bring in like this higher way of being this beautiful loving presence that helps them on their path and there are a lot of holistic counselors and psychologists there are a lot of shamanic healers and reiki healers and people who can help people in like transition into the more loving rebel and you know the loving rebel is still is still a rebel it's just it's just in tune with with one's highest good right and it's free versus and it's free Yeah, I love that. And it's free. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not, that's right. It's not constricted by the fear and the, uh, I'm doing this because when you are a rebel in love, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for your family. You're not doing it in spite of anyone. Yes. You've pulled away from that. Whether it's family, whether it's government, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you're angry with. If you're still angry with someone, then that's guiding your habits and your life. And if if you're just not angry with someone, but you're living in peace and creating your life in peace, but it feels like such a cool, sweet, wild rebellion, that's for me, like that's where it's at. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. We're going into our next little short break. Time flies as in all amazing conversations. We'll be right back. This amazing conversation with Chris Franken. Please stay with us. Thank you. Welcome back to today's episode of High Energy Health. Today, I'm in conversation with Chris Franken, and we were just talking about the true, in the aligned inner rebel, basically. And I want to segue this a little bit into the second part of your book, where you say, and you said before, there's three kind of three parts, and we're moving from the unconscious to the conscious. And the second part is called Grow Your Design. And and this, the first chapter in that word, the, I think, like the first chapter and the second 
part is called alchemize your clutter. This also relates to what you say about energy can never be dissolved. It can be transformed and transmuted, or as you said, alchemized. Can you say a little bit more about that process? I think it's really fascinating when we think of all the energy around us as you don't create anything and like you can't create energy and you can't destroy energy. You can't dissolve it. So this beautiful process I learned many years ago called alchemy, emotional alchemy that I've begun to use in many areas of my life just because of the sheer power of it. And if you're in, like we were talking about, you know, the inner rebel, when it's out of alignment, it can be quite angry or fearful. And so if you were to feel that anger or fear, that really dense energy that can really hold you down below your potential and below that space of loving purpose. And if you can tune into that energy and if you can alchemize it, the most powerful things can happen in your life. And studied psychology at university, I really feel like psychology is very limited if it's just delivered in the, I guess, in the old way of talk therapy. Oh, yes. When we, yeah, when we bring in anything that's a little bit more holistic and we tend to the emotions. So we have all these thoughts and we have thoughts about our life and our purpose and what we're doing and we're not doing enough, or we feel shame about this or guilty about that, or we feel really happy about other things. And what happens is that's very surface level, this conscious, the conscious mind. And then we have the subconscious and the unconscious. And what happens is there's a lot of physical emotions that are connected to the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is also connected to the heart, the intuitive heart. And so, and this is all science. This isn't my like take on things. I mean, it is, but also there's in my first book, there's a lot of resources for discovering more about this. And so what happens is, is when we tend to emotional alchemy or any kind of alchemy in our life, especially the clutter of thoughts that can collect in our heads, when we get down to the deeper emotions of, you know what, I'm just tired of feeling angry or I'm so frustrated. When you can sit with that emotion, mm-hmm. this is all in the book called Letting Go by Richard Dawkins. And if you can mm-hmm. sit with an emotion, feel it, just be present to it and then let it go. What it does is it's almost like a hot air balloon. There's this weight and it has all these um, strings on it. And the strings are all like, could be hundreds, could be thousands of thoughts that are connected to the anger or the fear or the shame or whatever it is. And when you you just let that feeling go all these thoughts go with it and if you continue to do this alchemical process then you release so many of your thoughts you have such a clearer mind and you actually find that your heart space is more expansive because you are literally raising your own consciousness you're raising your own vibration to a higher state of being quite literally and this can be measured when you let go of these denser emotions it's the most simple act and it is just so profoundly powerful so i find what that does is that helps people on their path wherever they are wherever they're feeling stuck if you can just let that go expand and like almost awaken to more of your potential you're clearing your mind out you're opening your heart that's such a gift such a Mm -hmm. gift I think what you said is just said is incredibly important and incredibly profound. And I think it's also David Hawkins who says, if you stay with stay with an emotion, with a hard emotion, with a tough emotion, it usually we we are really fearful of going there because there's all these protectors, obviously, that protect us from from going into the pain again the pain that we may have felt at some point. But if we stay with that emotion, it actually, if we really go there, it's no more than usually 15 minutes that, that it alchemizes, that it processes, and it can turn into something else. So I think that's also something really important to know is kind of like, if you go there, 
it's not going to be an endless array of like in a dark ocean of, of pain. It's actually yeah. quite the opposite. And it, it brings this courage. It brings this feeling, okay, maybe it's not that scary. And that's what also like practices like EFT are incredibly helpful because while we process these emotions, we signal our body, we can interrupt that fight, flight, freeze response. We don't have to be triggered by that anymore. We can feel safe while processing that emotion. So I think that was, and it's so simple, as you said, but so incredibly powerful. It's such an empowering tool. So thank you for bringing that up. But to that point, I think many of us may feel, you know, letting go, dropping into the unknown with courage. This may seem impossible for some of us, you know, such as telling a person without legs to just walk, you know? Yeah. So that's how embedded some of these fears seem to feel for us. Like that's how much, like we seem to be that fear. We seem to be that terror. What do you suggest for those of us who may feel that way in this moment in time, where to begin? And maybe it's, it's kind of tying to what we just talked about. I think that's really important, really beautiful that you brought that up because that is so hard for so many people. And it was hard for me. I had lifelong anxiety. And so to be able to learn alchemy with a coach was really important for me. I don't think I could have attempted that on my own. So my recommendation is first is just to go to nature and tell her everything and sit on a rock, sit against a tree, go to your favorite waterway, um, go plant some beautiful flowers or find some beautiful flowers or pick some beautiful flowers or buy some or just sit with the flower energy for a while. And you can talk to and just know that you can talk to nature and nature, nature, it senses your vibration straight away anyway. So it knows exactly what you at before you even say a word. So there is no inauthenticity in nature. You can try telling it something that's not true, but it knows because that tree next to you is reading your vibration and it is loving every part of it and it is sending you love. So to go into nature, give your density to her and then open to receive and listen. I think that's mm -hmm. the best process because absolutely anyone can do that. Yeah, I love that. And, and again, like, I love that it is can be so simple. Like, it feels like when we're fear fe seems to be us, it feels like such an, such an impossible thing to do. And we feel like there needs to be such an elaborate process. But it's actually in the simplicity that's already there in in the nature and just being and just listening and just just being with that with whatever is there in that moment. So thank you so much for bringing that up. We'll go into a last little break. And we'll be right back with this amazing conversation. Please stay with us. Thank you. Welcome back to today's episode of High Energy Health to this last segment. I'm in conversation with Chris Franken, and I'm just, I could go on forever, Chris. <laughs> but what I would, so we just kind of like talked about like how to enter this process if you feel like I don't even know where to begin and it may seem easy to you, but it's not easy, easy for me. <laughs> and I think that's a good start. You know, that's all that's, that's already a good start. But speaking to that process in time, what are your some of your daily practices and rituals that you're doing right now? And I assume that they're evolving and they're changing depending on what you need, what your nervous system needs. But I'd be really curious to hear what some of the rituals are that you are practicing every day. I do try and practice meditation every day. I find that even just tuning into my body and just seeing what it needs and sending, letting go of cords 
I mean, it's something I've been doing for decades, right? But And it sounds like such an old practice, but just letting go of cords with love, filling my body with love and filling myself with with, with this rainbow light. I'm very connected to the um, Aurora Borealis for some reason, maybe because I was born in Canada. And mm-hmm. so she comes a lot in meditations and I just sit with her and I just let these rainbow lights just fill me. I do the same for my kids. Like while I'm in meditation, I'll send them healing and love. Incense and sage are a big part of my day. Um, just cleansing my home cleansing my field I don't like sage every day but I know when I need it and I'll go and I'll go to it my practice with nature is really deepening every day because I've just started a herbalism course and so by going and sit like I've created a little medicine garden with roses and all sorts of healing plants and so I'll go and sit with them almost every day sometimes they'll need a water or sometimes I just sit with them and see if there's any messages or just sing to them so I'm really finding this deeper practice with nature because I'm I'm learning from some amazing teachers about herbalism, people who have been connected to plants for healing for a really long time. I love to read. I love to swim and I love to walk when I can. That's my exercise. I love yoga. Um, so some things never change. Yoga has never changed. The beach has never changed. <laughs> Going for walks, hanging out with my dog. But I do, yeah, in the evening, I really like to just tune out like really consciously tune out of everything that occurred in my day. I have a little mushroom tea, a little bit of reishi and lion's mane and honey from our bees. And I just sit at the moment, the fire's on because it's quite cold. It's late autumn here. And I'll Mm -hmm. sit in front of the fire and I'll have my tea and I'll consciously let go of anything that sort of is not feeling at ease. And I find by just letting things go, letting these thoughts and cords and people and ideas and social media and worries, everything, just letting it go. I just create this space for a more restful sleep and, and a clearer head. And then, but every morning I like to set an intention. I think that's one of the most valuable things I actually can do for myself is in the morning I will wake up and I will set an intention and it can be really specific. Like today I want to be a clear channel for flowers or I want to be a clear channel for my clients. And other days it can be today I'm going to be happy. Today, I'm just going to be really crazy happy and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So in the beginning of our conversation, you said the book is written for those who are pivotal moments in time, kind of where I feel like we're in this major life transitions. And and you said, you know, you have kids as well. And I was wondering, you know, for those, and I do too. And I was wondering for those in the audience that feel like, and it's not just, doesn't have to be kids, but maybe whoever we care for, whatever keeps us busy, it sometimes feels like, okay, but I'm not a single person who can go to the yoga studio and can do all these things. I have all these things to take care of. And I don't know how to, I don't know even how to start a practice to support me in this pivotal time, because there's so many things I need to tend to. What do you suggest to those of us that feel like I'm already overwhelmed and there is like more important things, I say, quote unquote, to tend? What is your suggestion here? That's I think that's the point where most people get stuck is mm-hmm. it's not that they're in a really terrible place because when you're in a really bad place, you know, things need to change. But when you're in a really OK, I'm busy, but everything's OK, like nothing's bad. No one's sick. Nothing's nothing's wrong. I feel like my heart wants to pull me in this certain direction, but I don't have time. I have all these people who depend on me and I have a mortgage or a rent to pay and I have da 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 da. And so the first thing I 
would recommend is to simplify your life. And you can do this by writing down everything that you do in your life. Like just write everything. You write down grocery shopping. You write down everything that you do, right? Because everything that you can then let go of is going to create more space. So if you have a partner, then do it with your partner so that you can be doing what you love and they can be doing what they love. And quite often that adds up to, oh, none of us is resenting what we have to do anymore because you actually want to do the grocery shopping and I don't. Or that kind of thing. And that really helps with all the little things, right? And then if you don't have a partner and you're on your own, especially if you have children, I know it can feel really difficult, but in in order to empower yourself to make these beautiful changes and to really follow your heart, it's still important to write down everything that you do. And you can absolutely simplify your life as much as you like. You can move to a place where you pay minimal rent and you then you don't need to work long days like the whole time that your child is at care or at school. Because I think that's the hardest bit for single mums. And I know quite a few single mums who are like, well, I'm working this whole time that they're at school. And then when they're at home, it's all me. So where do I fit in with this? And so I think as mums, we can be quite innovative, but we forget to be innovative when it comes to self-care, self-nurturing and Mm -hmm. our sole purpose. And we can fit in that yoga practice in the morning, either before the kids get up or before we go out to take care of other people if we don't have kids if there's a lot of doing stuff for other people there is time to fit in just a 15 minute yoga practice in the morning or some stretches or sitting and welcoming the sun in the east with clear eyes no no contact lenses no glasses no nothing in front just welcoming you don't have to look directly at the sun you just welcome that morning light and that that is such a beautiful thing to do for your whole body for your whole day it'll set you also up for a really good sleep there are so many little practices that we can weave in and do with our children like lighting incense and setting an intention and pulling an oracle card and it brings so much joy and fluidity to the family time there are lots of ways to bring that in the first thing I do recommend though is just to write a list of everything that you do and see if there's anything that you can just stop doing see if there's anything that you can bring in for someone else to do for you or to do with you and or just because there's usually just a small crux of things that you absolutely have to do but even they are not set in stone nothing is set in stone and to simplify your life means that you have so much more space the other thing I learned years ago which I love is that everyone has time to do what they want to do it's whether or not you want to make it a priority yes I love that so much valuable input I I am in love with this conversation and this book so I just want to direct our audience to your website also chrisfranken.com where you can contact Chris where you can book sessions with Chris again her book is called Wild Hearted Purpose Embrace Your Unique Calling the and the Unmapped Path of Authenticity thank you so much for being here Chris thank you so much Miriam it's been such a great conversation I really appreciate it thank you And thanks to our audience for being here with us today. Many blessings and all the best. Thank you. 